the title of what I'm going to share today is called Taste and See That the Lord is Good. And it comes from Psalm 34. And uh, what I want to do to make sure I don't forget today is uh, I want to just pray over the situation in the Middle East. So uh, I don't want to let the service go by without doing that, all right? So why don't you just agree with me in prayer. And Lord, we just ask you... That situation in the Middle East, which seems so out of control, is never out of control because you're in control. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're not all wringing your hands up there worried about the heathen raging or the this happening or that happening. You're in total control. And Lord, I just ask you that your people that are on site there and uh, others around the world would find the right way to help. We pray, God, there would be such an amazing blessing, Lord, over the land. And we pray, God, what the enemy is obviously meant for evil and total destruction, you would turn to good. I pray you'd remember your people. I pray you'd remember uh, those that are there just uh, fighting for your purpose, uh, the believers that are on both sides and in every situation of this whole mess, in the armed forces, Arabs, Jews, all of them, Lord, laced in all of those people groups are believers, Christians, good Christians, solid Christians. We know that, Lord, already. We know some of them. And Lord, even in the armed forces, Lord, maybe especially in the armed forces, we know. So, Lord, I just pray, uh, Joseph, so it arise. I pray for all the believers that are in stressful situations and they don't know what to do or how to respond and frankly, there are some situations I could see where it would be very difficult to know what to do if you're right in the middle of that thing. So, Lord, would you give every believer, every person who can be of help, every person that's in dire need and crying out to you, I pray you'd meet their needs. I pray you'd use them. I pray you'd help them. I pray, God, you'd break through. And, Lord, we pray peace over the Middle East. Your peace, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I pray hell's will will not be done. I bind every spirit, every demonic thing, Lord. We say in the name of Jesus, stand down. You have no authority to murder and, and just go freely to do whatever you want. Lord, you are, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Lord, we've seen enough of that. Now, Lord, we declare, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So, Lord, let your believers have abundant life. I pray abundance would begin to work through. I pray justice would begin to work through. And I just pray, God, you give our leaders, Israel, the Israeli leaders, the Arab leaders, wisdom. Lord, even beyond themselves, even beyond what they can see, even beyond their ability to handle this situation. Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen. hope everybody's praying all the time for this. Uh, if you're old enough, like me, you've been through one or two of these already, three or four maybe, <laughs> or the whole world seems to be on fire. I mean, I remember even when I was in college, I, I almost didn't finish college because it was such a mess. Worried about our safety and our country and what we're going to do. and uh, Man, it's just uh, deja vu. So be praying, okay? You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. Make sure you pray over it. And some of your deepest prayers should be that the Lord would bring peace, of course, but the, of course the wisdom peace, the right peace, that the guilty would be uh, appropriately apprehended and uh, bring justice for the broken and just any number of things. But one thing that God always tells us to do is pray for our leaders. Pray for leaders, because in the leadership is where the answers are, right? When Whatever they do, however they respond. So make sure that you're diligent. Matter of fact, the Bible exhorts us to pray for leaders and all that are in authority. So that would be secular and spiritual. 
And uh, you might want to throw an extra prayer up for the spiritual ones. Could you, if you could imagine, uh, if you're a believer and uh, you're on the Palestinian side, if you're a believer, you're on the Israeli side, if you're a believer, you're in the military, you're a believer in the government, what do you do? And I told you a story last week uh, from that book Epicenter, which is so really cool. The story, there was a believer, believe it or not, in Sodom's court, right? His, one of his right-hand people, right? He was a Christian. And he talked them as a group. He talked them into not gassing, uh, or not, excuse me, not releasing chemicals on Israel from airplanes. <laughs> he talked them out of it. And he, he just said it was way too involved. Wouldn't work, da-da-da, da-da-da. By the time he got done, they said, okay, we won't do that, right? I mean, strategic guy, right? A Christian. And he survived the war, and at the end of it, he walked into Saddam Hussein's throne room, right? And just thank God for the mercy he had been able to dispense in that situation. So I guarantee you, in the Middle East right now, there's all these Josephs, there's all these people, God's plants, and they're all walks of life. There's soldiers, there's aid workers, there's uh, uh, government officials, and uh, and all of them, uh, especially the believers, I would imagine this prayer is pretty effective. You know, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. <laughs> because how do you get wisdom in a situation like this? Uh, so I think that uh, be careful not to join isms, but just pray one ism. Pray, God, kingdom come, thy will be done. And then as God gives you leading, pray for the leaders on both sides, every side there is to pray for. Because God told us that, first of all, I urge you to pray for all leaders and all that are in authority. There's a reason for that scripture. That's why he said, first of all. Because as go they, go those underneath them, right? Whether they're secular or spiritual or whatever. So... All right, so that's my little sermon on praying for the current situation. i got to say something else about this. Your prayers make a difference. They're not just floating around. Prayer is not just for something. It's, it's to change things. That's why the very part, first part of it, thy kingdom come. We're praying God, so that means God, bring your rule into this situation, right? Your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Um, that has a critical, that's not just a general explanation That's a, or general exhortation. That is a specific prayer. We say, thy kingdom come over this and that, Lord. Change that. Have mercy on this, Lord Jesus. You don't have to be an expert. But I tell you what, one thing God can't resist is the whole church around the world crying out. You think he's going to listen to that? Do you think that has enough weight politically? I think so. We're watching the news anxiously turning channel to channel and everything. Turn the channel of the kingdom of God and ask the king of kings to fix this because human wisdom is not going to do it. You know, even if I sat there and think, put me in charge of the whole thing. Holy moly, what would I, I don't even know where I'd start. Can you imagine? Well, you know what? There's some people in charge and they're saying the same thing. Holy moly, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I mean, how could you? Right? So this has got to be unraveled by heaven and the prayers of the saints, and wise people put in strategic positions to dispense justice in the name of the Lord, right? Well, the title of my sermon today is Taste and See that the Lord is Good, and it comes out of Psalm 34. I love this psalm so much. It's one of my favorite psalms, and there's all kinds of things in it that I think apply to our day now and any day, <laughs> any time, right? And so I just want to read the first a few verses, of, and I'm just going to go through this psalm a little bit. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Whoop, got the wrong psalm, but that's a good too. 
That's Psalm 33. I like that too. Hey, I just summarized what I just said to you guys. All right, let's go to 34 now. Okay, this is this is good. I will extol the Lord. How, how many times? At all times. His praise will be on my lips. Awesome. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflictive hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. What a beautiful psalm. Psalm 100 verse 4 says this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's just exactly what we just did. We entered into the presence. It's a language into the gates and into the courts. You're getting closer and closer, right? Moving in to where the Lord is. And so guess how we do that? We do it with thanksgiving and praise. We give thanks. The power of thanksgiving should never be underestimated. I'll tell you what. That's one of the main things you should be doing every day. I just highly recommend it. It's in God. Giving thanks to God for all kinds of things. It changes your day. It changes your attitude. It changes your perspective. Just giving thanksgiving for things around you. Even hard things, difficult things. And that's why this psalm is so beautiful. It, it, it starts off like that, doesn't it? And, uh, and that's a very, very powerful uh, thing to extol the Lord and praise and, and glorify and everything. And this giving thanks in Psalm 100 four is how we enter into his very presence and his courts with praise. So we're in the presence of the Lord. So one thing I always like to do is, so we would say that and thanks, thanks, we enter his gates, thanks in courts with praise, but then he's there. And sometimes I think, wait, wait a minute, he's here. Why don't we do something about it? So that's what we just did, right? When he shows up, like, I think it's pretty prime time to say, thy kingdom come. <laughs> what is it you need, Right. So we entered in, so now what do we do? Well, we tell him what we need. That's one of the things we do. And then we go back to praising him, right? We get revelation. We get insight about our problems. Very, very powerful way to live, I think. This Thanksgiving is far more than just a little service where we just give a few minutes to the Lord. It's, it's the way we move and live. It's the way we connect with the Lord and hear back from the Lord, right? So we can boast in the Lord even when we're afflicted. If we look at uh, Philippians uh, chapter 4, which I, I love Philippians uh, so much for, with good reason, right? Um, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord how often? Uh, and then he says, boy, I really like what I said. I'll say it again. <laughs> That's what he did. Rejoice, right? And uh, such a beautiful verse. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, he's writing this to the Philippians. So I'm going to get to this in a moment, but does anybody know off the top of their head what happened in Philippi? Does anybody remember? He's in jail. And what was he doing when he was in jail? He was praising God. And what happened then? The jail cell just opened and the shackles fell off. So he's writing to the Philippians where this happened in Philippi. And he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And because of that, Philippi got the gospel. Because then the jail cell broke open, the jailer's freaking out. <laughs> By the time he's done with Philippi, they're begging him to leave, right? But meanwhile, there's a whole new church that started. That's how powerful worship in praise and thanksgiving in the midst of trouble is over our life. It sounds so simple, but it's so very powerful and, and real. And you see this laced all throughout the whole scriptures. I like... 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. 
Rejoice how often? Always. And pray how often? Continually. So it's not just you come to church and pray or go to a group and pray. A, a prayer should be on your lip. Or, <laughs> should. You get to pray. You don't have to pray. We have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's not up there kind of, you know, okay, what else? What do you got to me today? You know, well, you didn't pray that very well, you know. Okay, maybe, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> That's all your imagination. When you go to the King of Kings, you go to a good father. He's also a father who's listening to everything you have to say and considering it, right? Otherwise, who are we worshiping? What are we doing? We're worshiping the austere weird gods that everybody else worships where you have all this crazy sacrifice if you hold your mouth right and you do this right and put that over there you know then that's who you're worshiping but that's not our god uh, that's somebody else's god but your god is your father and every good father listens every god every good father hears every good father rejoices with us right first thessalonians 5:16 rejoice always pray continually that's why he said, my house will be a house of prayer. But interesting enough, we're a house of prayer corporately, but we're also a house of prayer individually. We carry the Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit individually, the Bible says, and corporately. So you carry prayer in this temple and worship, and we carry it in this temple, all of us together, and both of them work, right? So we rejoice always. We pray continually, which is so different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world prays, complains continually. Right? They have a different spirit, don't they? They're angry continually. We're rejoicing continually, pray continually. We have that silly smile on our face, you know, which sometimes unbelievers, it drives them out of their mind. Why are you so happy? Just, oh, I'm glad you asked that. Then you have that open door. Then they're, wor they're, they're really sorry they asked, right? Except that the Lord ends up getting them anyway, some way or another, because God got their attention. Then this, verse 16, give thanks in all circumstances. And then that summarize it this way. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for you in Christ Jesus is? Uh, right there. And the next verse is pretty cool. It's probably related to the one on top and the one on the bottom. The verses I just said, do not quench the spirit and the underneath, do not treat prophecies with contempt. Probably both of those are related to do, uh, verse 19, do not quench the spirit. So these are very, very lovely and uh, uh, powerful verses. I, I just love this particular section of Scripture, right? And when we do this, rejoice, giving, thanks, and all things, pray continually. We don't quench the Spirit, but what do we do? We cause the Spirit to go farther, activate. We become more aware of God's presence, right? More aware of God's government, more aware of what God is doing. And um, I just love sometimes when I'm in a spirit of worship just to... Um, walk around and look at everybody, you know, because often in that atmosphere, on a clear day, you can see forever. <laughs> really, you can see forever. You can see the forever. You can see things on people. You, it, The atmosphere is full of the angels, and you can see. And so that's why I always like to interrupt things sometimes when we're worshiping or just spend time, because then you can see you can see to pray. When you can see to pray, it's it, it's amazing, right? And such is the, the power of glorifying the Lord together. Glorify the Lord with me, verse 3. Let us exalt his name forever. And as I think about Paul and Philippi giving us this exhortation from Philippians, you know, uh, 
4.4, Rejoice, Lord, always. Again, I'll say it, rejoice. I also think of my friend Sopal that many of you know the story of and that horrible Cambodian jail, starving to death. Then an angel of the Lord appears to him and tells him to stop eating, <laughs> which he hadn't, they hadn't been feeding him anyway, right? But then guess what? After the angel speaks to him, the very next day they bring him the biggest pot of food you've ever seen and put it right in front of him. Now, they don't know anything about what happened. The spirit, but the demonic knew, right? And But that actually thing was this, this worship actually got more and more infectious. So the whole jail is singing that he's in, right? This is in Cambodia. They're all singing. And they sing this song, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. And he's teaching in Khmer. And the generals that are next to him and the political prisoners over here, they're all in this cell chained to the floor, sitting in their own excrement, singing to the top of their lungs, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. They're all singing in Khmer. But interestingly enough, that event was how, as I've told you so many times, that's how he got out. And it's amazing how the food began to appear in front of him and all this that they are tempting, but he, the, the enemy, the Lord opened the heavens and told him not to eat, not to eat, not to eat anything. And so before he knew it, he was actually in the infirmary and, and a Christian, Cuban Christian doctor intersected with him. And uh, he actually a lightning hit the facility, crawled out of the facility, right in back of the guard who didn't see him, got stuck in the fence because he could only crawl. And some guy came along, saw him stuck in the fence, pulled him out of it, and that's how he got out. But what preceded that was the entire jail singing, I've got a river of life flowing out of me in Khmer. He said he saw the heavens open and he saw the angels singing at the same time with them as they were singing. What an incredible story. Now, many of you heard me say that, so, that tell that story over and over again, but it's a modern-day example of what happened in Philippi. They're singing, and all of a sudden, the jail cell opened as an earthquake and out they go, right? And they're released. They got out of jail, and uh, the jailer almost committed suicide. They stopped that, right? So there's great power in glorifying the Lord uh, and praising His name, right? So look at Psalm 34. Let's go through verses 4 to 10. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. This is important. Uh, when you seek the Lord, if you're seeking Him right, you're hopefully by God's grace you you feel Him relieving you, not multiplying your fears. You understand? So when you pray, it's really important not to have a worry session. Sometimes I have a worry wart session before the Lord. I didn't pray; I just worried the whole time, right? And I felt worse after I did it, right? Because I'm just you know suddenly all this is up, and I'm just complaining about this and that, right? But but there's so there's something different here we're talking about. I sought the Lord and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. So He's the opposite, right? So when we're really looking to Him, we're coming with a positive place, right? Expectant place, joyful place, and to the one who hasn't forgot us, the one who sees everything happening. We're not lost. We're not desperate. We're before the King of Kings, right? The one who can solve everything. Ah, but more importantly, the one that likes you. <laughs> That's the most important part. If he didn't like you, he wouldn't have sent his son to be crucified on a, a bloody cross for you. That's the great evidence of all. But the scriptures are full of God's love and compassion for all of us. Those who look to him, love this verse, are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Lord, I break the power of anybody who feels the power of shame on them right now in Jesus' name. May the Lord rebuke you. You have no authority over us. 
Anyone who came with their face covered with shame, I break its power off of you, that demonic stronghold. I command you to lift off of us and lift off the church and anyone else, Lord, that's listening on the live stream. Because those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never, how often would that be? Never covered with shame. And guess what the enemy tries to do? He tries to cover you with every bit of shame. It's all your fault. You blew it. You did it. Shame is one of the biggest battles we fight, and we just let the enemy go rampant in us. But those that look to him are radiant. Just because you look to him, not because you're so great, not just because you're, you know, a, a star uh, person who fell or made a mistake. No, because you have it's in your, your inheritance. God's covered your sin. He took care of you, right? All you have to do is say, I did it, Lord, number one. And number two, thank you for forgiving me. And your face becomes radiant again. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame because guilt causes shame sometimes, right? This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. Are there any troubles that are exempt there? Looks like the word all is pretty good to me. I like the way it's put in there, don't you? Sometimes we think, well, it's been so long, I guess I'm just supposed to live with this. If it's wrong, if it's sick, if it's not right, it's a trouble. And he saved us out of all our troubles. There's no, no mental gymnastics here. Trouble's trouble. Simple as that. I think everybody recognizes trouble. How you interpret the other thing, right? But here's a good one. Trouble generally comes from the devil or ways you've cooperated with the devil. So stop cooperating with the devil and stop believing in the devil more you God because God will save you out of all your troubles. And even the situation in the Middle East. You know why God's going to save that area and going to do something new? Because there's believers there. Guess what they're doing? Praying like crazy. And because there's believers over here and throughout the world, right? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Ooh, I like that camping out thing. So that means right here in this room. They're camping out. <laughs> camping around you, camping around all of us, right? No matter what state you're in, all the qualification is that you fear God. Well, if you didn't fear God, you wouldn't be here today, right? And he delivers them. And sometimes we go through these mental gymnastics. Do you think I'm fearing enough? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> you, you're here. You fear God. You pray. You fear God. You're nice to somebody. You fear God. You read the Bible. You fear God. Simple as that. You don't have to put it on a measure. Well, like I'm 90% fearing today. <laughs> Sometimes we have bad days. But generally, I'm fearing God. I love God. I'm organizing my life around God. And he delivers them. I love that. And boy, I like it. The angel of the Lord. So there's supernatural and camping going on around here. I believe they're camped out in our meeting here today. And they're camped out around you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Fear the, and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people. Those who fear him lack nothing. Nothing. I like that word. They lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. We did a funeral yesterday, and it was a hard one. A young woman died, leaving a little child and her husband. And uh, But it was so incredible. It's full of believers and some probably that weren't, didn't know the Lord very well. But um, I think it went, gosh, it must have been two and a half hours long. And it was just uh, beautiful. And but I tell you what, 
God was camping out. God was camping out. Tragic, painful, but God was camping out, and you could feel it all in the room. It was just such a, a blessed time, those families. And I was looking at the face of a husband, and I'm looking at him, and I could tell the Lord was on him, right? He had victory on his face. He'd been suffering for a long, long time because of the cancer situation. It was just a long, drawn-out thing. But man, his face, I could just see the, the victory on him. He was sad, but there was something about him. I could just see the victory in him. And it was just so encouraging, you know. Usually when you get in a room full of people, and there was a lot of people here, and uh, it, it was just so evident that the, the Lord was present. It, I, I was thinking when I first came in, you know, wow, and I'm watching the people come in, and I'm thinking, wow, I don't know where they all stand with the Lord or not. But by the time we got into that, it was just the Lord descended, uh, and uh, he camped out with us. The Lord, angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Can I say that again? Lack nothing. That's no thing. <laughs> those that fear him lack nothing. Sometimes that's hard. Because you feel like you're in a situation where you lack everything, especially if your life's being threatened by a disease or you, you lost your job and you don't know where you're going to get the next one. But this is where our faith comes in. You can never get away from God without faith, right? For faith pleases Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So your job is to keep believing. His job is to break through in just the right way, just the right moment. And even when death happened, that service I did, Something was breaking out all over the room. You could just feel pockets of praise and worship and honor. And I could see my friend, and I walked up to him. I looked in his face, and I could see. He got through to the other side. He was he was getting through, right? Been suffering for a long, long time, you know, with this situation. I just think it's so amazing. But for those who fear him, lack nothing. So we have to treat Jesus as our supplier, our full supplier, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Even when he makes decisions that we don't understand. This Middle East thing, I don't understand. Why all those innocent people? I don't understand, right? But all I know is these are promises for us to take. And somehow in his wisdom, God makes everything okay, no matter what. Because eternity is in scope along with the natural, right? The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Could I just say there's a little promise there? Those who fear him lack no good thing, but could I just say those who seek the Lord lack no good thing? So there's a seeking, there's a pursuing after God. We call that prayer. We call that listening to God. And uh, we see many Bible characters seeking the Lord. Like one I've thought about a lot is uh, Joseph in Pharaoh's house. Turns out he's in this wicked place, thrown into a dungeon, the worst place, falsely accused. And while he's in that dungeon, he's seeking the Lord, and he heard God's voice. And God told him the future. God told him, gave, you know, he, 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 they realized in the jail that this guy could interpret dreams, and pretty soon he's standing before Pharaoh, right? And so that's how he made it, right? He just continued his relationship in the dungeon, and eventually he lacked no good thing. He got the victory, didn't he? Just seeking the Lord in the bottom of a pit. By the way, in those times, a dungeon was a dungeon. It wasn't like our jails today. People 
died often. They were malnourished. They weren't fed and so on. And he began to get words from the Lord in the dungeon. And pretty soon everybody found out he could interpret dreams. Before you know it, he's before the king interpreting his dreams, saving the whole na nation. I'd like to just turn to this uh, First Chronicles. It's called The Prayer of Jabez. To me, this is one of the funniest passages in the whole Bible. If you look at First Chronicles 4, it's going, I mean, even the pages before it, Ahaziah, his son, Joash, his son, Amaziah, Azariah, Jotham, blah, 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 sons of Neriah, Elias, Isaiah, Zerim, blah, 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 and on and on and on and on and on. Do this endless genealogy. You know the ones you sort of skip over and think, okay, where's the other good stuff, right? But you have to be careful about it because every once in a while the genealogy will stop and then God will make a comment. Word from your sponsor, word from your sponsor. <laughs> and this guy, this guy, Jabez, right? So, <laughs> in my Bible it says Jabez sounds like the Hebrew for pain. So this guy's named Pain. <laughs> you thought you had it bad. This guy's named Pain. Somebody said, Jabez, hey, Pain, come on over here. And I'm sure with his wife, you're nothing but a pain. You're nothing but a, yeah. Woof! This guy's named Pain. I should tell you something. His mother named him Pain, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And don't all mothers give children birth in pain? But this guy must have been a rat. This must have been a really tough one. Woo! <laughs> wow! That was like a whale or something, man. What happened? Man, he probably took her like weeks and months to get over this this thing, right? The other one's easy, but boy, this guy was so bad, she named him Pain for the rest of his life. You, every time you look at him, hey, Pain, how you doing, you know? And, no, so Pain does something strange. It says, he cried out to the God of Israel, and he said, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. <laughs> so I'll be free from pain. But most importantly, he said, keep me from harm so I'll be free from pain, but enlarge my territory. Now, and God granted his request. Now, if you look at it in the context of this, there's hundreds of names here before and after, right? And it just goes on. It makes this little comment on this guy who was named Pain, who actually says, Lord, Please, I would like to keep from harm so I'll be free from pain. I don't want to be in pain. Plus, Lord, would you bless me and enlarge my territory? Now, whole books have been written about that little Jabez thing, little Jabez book and everything. But it's so profound, stuck in here in this these passages of Scripture, right? First Chronicles chapter 4. And it's just so powerful for us, a simple prayer. I'll, I'll read it again. Lord, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Lord, that you would give me more. Evidently, God liked it, right? Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so I will be free from pain myself. Man, that little verse it just says something. And you know what? There's no other references. There's nothing else that happened to any of the other people. They're just all named. Just name, 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 blah, 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 take it to this guy. And there must have been something different about him. Something expected a different result. Something that wasn't like the rest of his ancestors just living his life. Something about him that had access to God. Something special about his birth, even though it was bad or hard. And something about his life that had the faith to cry out for God to enlarge 
his territory. But I want to ask you, why don't you just say that right now? Let's just pray. Lord, enlarge my territory. Keep me from harm so I'll be free from pain. Thing I look about this is he wasn't qualified. He wasn't the rabbi. He's just this guy that was born in pain. Everybody called him a pain. And then he just is the guy that's qualified to ask for more. Wow, does that preach or what? Maybe your situation's like that. But it uniquely qualifies you to ask for more, not less. I don't care how much pain you're in or how much trouble, you're uniquely qualified in that situation because God's mercy especially so clear on this side of the cross. Jesus died in utter agony and pain for you, qualifying you to have access to heaven, to tell him what's on your mind, to ask him to move mountains for you. He's the one that said it. If you say to this mountain, be removed, it'll be removed. It was all qualified because of Jesus' pain and sacrifice. You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You have access through pain, the blood of Jesus Christ, who identifies with anyone that's in suffering or in a difficult space in a unique way. Wow. Now see that little stillness that's in the air? That's the Holy Spirit. So the Lord's just trying to tell us, and it's this kind of an uh, interesting day, I think, for access to the throne room. So look at Roman numeral 3. God's ears are attentive to the cry of the righteous. Let's read on in Psalm 34. Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and keep your lips from telling lies. Turn from good and evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. Wow. I'll guarantee you there are some righteous people scattered in and around, maybe even as captives, in the Palestinian territories and in Israel. I'll guarantee you they're crying out, and the Lord's listening. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, so you know exactly what's going to happen for those who have been it done wrong, to blot out their name from the earth if they continue in this space they're at. But there will probably be some in the midst of this great crisis that are also saved and were part of the plotters or part of the attackers. We know that because God has this way of saving terrorists, even. People that are going the wrong direction. One of them, the most famous, was named Paul. <laughs> the entire Gentile world owed the gospel of Jesus Christ which would include most of us, right? He's the one that began, the Jew that heard God's way in a unique way because he was a terrorist. God turned him around. He was causing lots of pain, right? So out of this current crisis, some of those are going to come forward. They always do. You'll always find him. I didn't know about the guy that was in the Iranian uh, uh, cabinet right next to Saddam Hussein and started to hire the entire Air Force who prevented Israel as a believer, secret believer, from being gassed and completely uh, destroyed. There's those people. They're in there. God's calling them out. God will call them out. And if they're not saved yet, some of them will be saved. But this is our lot. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. 
The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. He delivers them from all their troubles. Now, the time problem we have with that is sometimes the time frame messes us up, right? But nevertheless, the promise remains real. And I think there's something interesting here. Verse 13 and 14, I'm going to return to it real quick because it says there, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. So I think when we get under pressure, uh, one thing that's really important is that we seek peace with others as much as dependent on us, but we be careful with our tongues how we use it. Because right now, for example, in this crisis, I think it's really important that we're, we be careful how we use our tongues, how we don't uh, cause more despair, how we don't create more problems. But we're positive, we're clear, I think we can speak the truth, I think that's always relevant, but attitude is really, really important, I think. I want to be the salt, don't you? And it's so important in verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cries. So there's lots of crying going out, right? Cries for revenge, cries for, you know, return on the pain that was inflicted and all that. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil and their lot is to blot them their name out from the whole earth. But on the righteous, their ears are attentive to their cries. So not only the righteous there, but in this situation that we're in now, on us. So because of this crisis, we come front and center. And our righteousness comes from the shed blood of Jesus. We don't feel qualified sometimes to speak or to be anybody. But because you availed yourself of the grace of God, you became a statesman. You became a representative. You became one who has entrance to the very courts of heaven. So if you want to do something... Maybe some of you will end up in the Middle East or some other crisis situation. But make sure that you're a person of prayer because you've given the access to the king and you've given the king's keys to the throne room and God's listening to what you have to say. And I'm convinced that just like the other crises that have come up, when the church is in place all around the world, God's listening more to them than he is to anybody else. May take a little time. We may feel the injustice of it. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? But the prayers of the saints make all the difference in the world. I think the faster we understand that about ourselves, the better things are going to be, right? I love this righteousness from God. Who are we? Well, we're people that have received the righteousness of God. Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first the Jew and then the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness by faith from first to last is written, the righteous will live by faith. So we live in faith from first to last. Our whole life is one big, long walk of faith. But with that faith is righteousness. That means right standing with God. That's why it's so important for you to pray. Because if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the sin, the weakness... The stuff that you did yesterday that you're ashamed of, all of it, can be taken care of by just one simple little thing. God, I did it. I did it. I did it. I admit I've been walking the wrong way. I'm in the wrong place. Sorry about that, Lord. I just repent. And then guess what? God says, good, fine. Now let's just get back to that prayer stuff to pray for the other people. See how you can be useful in the world. Let's just keep on going. Son, keep on going, son. And you know what to do that? 
It says the righteous will be live by faith. That's one of the most dangerous passages in the whole Bible. <laughs> that means you don't know the answer all the time. That means you keep being good even when everybody else is not. That means you live according to the Scripture even when it's painful, anybody, even when everybody else isn't. You will live by faith. That's what you have as part of your heritage. You will not know all the answers. You will not know all the answers before you, you get the question. You will get the questions and then you'll fight with God and you'll contend with God and you'll get the answers. And sometimes it's a short fuse and sometimes it's a long fuse. But whether your prayers have a long fuse or a short fuse, don't stop asking because the righteous will live by faith. That's why Jesus even said when he was describing prayer and seeking God, keep on asking, keep on knocking. Don't stop. Don't stop, right? 1 John 1, 8 to 2, I just want to read these passages. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But here's this beautiful thing that just makes the whole world go around for believers. If we confess our sins, I did it. He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us all from unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. So why am I emphasizing this so much? It's just that I've found as I've been around people and see them in trouble and stuff, it seems that their failure or the failure of someone else always seems to get away from this, get them away from the intensity of asking God for things. Even someone injured them and sinned against them and it's very hard for them to forgive. Or they just have felt like they've sinned and they're not adequate enough. Oh my goodness. If you learn anything in terms of maturity with the Lord, learn to be a great confessor. <laughs> just learn to confess it. Just own it as fast as you can. All the nastiness of it. Just Sometimes it's helpful to even work with a friend on it. Just confess. That's why the Bible says confess your sins to one another. It's not so... It's, because, you know, God wants to you know, reveal all your nasty business and He's going to punish you by making you confess it. No, it helps you to get rid of it. Right? So confession is one of the best things we got going for us. It gets us of all... Well, here's what it does. It takes us from the camp of the enemy where sin is because uh, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy and he loves sin. So it takes you from that camp over to this camp. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So which one do you want? Right? And if it was jumped to a, over a tall mountain to do, it would be one thing. I did it. Sorry. <laughs> there may be a little pain associated with that, but I did it. Just say I did it as fast as you possibly can. <laughs> Great rule for marriage, by the way. And sometimes you do stuff, not me, but sometimes you do stuff in your marriage, <laughs> and you know good and well you did something wrong, but you don't want to just... Let it go for a while, you know. You know you did it wrong. You know you're gonna, it's going to catch up with you sooner or later. But you just stay in that space for a while because you're mad and you want to, like, you know, have your little temper tantrum and throw things on the ground, you know, and everything. So one thing I'm learning to do is let's have less temp, temp, temper tantrums because it's not very fun. In the beginning, it's kind of nice. But in the end, it doesn't take long before it gets old, right? So just own up to what's yours and then let's get back to living, right? back to life because the wages of sin is what? Death. On both sides. And it's amazing. And then the hard thing is in a marriage, for example, you own yours, but what if the other party doesn't own theirs? Ooh. 
Well, then you got two things to do. You got to forgive them for not owning theirs. <laughs> so now you got another extra step. Lord, forgive them for not knowing that they did that to me, but I, I let them off the hook, right? Good. Okay, you all knew that anyway. But here's a great thing, and I'm going to end with this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Oh, so you might not know it, but if you're brokenhearted, you're, as, you're really close. You have the potential to be right there with God, and also the potential from that broken heart to actually be a healer of others who get broken hearts. Sometimes our broken heart is not only for God to show us mercy and heal us, but also for God to give us mercy for someone else. So Psalm 34:18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Can I just uh, say that over all of you? Maybe some of you came in here and you're just brokenhearted. Maybe you just feel crushed. Like, you know, you're not having a good day. Maybe you haven't had a good week. You're crushed. You're just, your spirit's broken somehow. Well, isn't it nice to know that even in that crushed place, maybe mean place, maybe that angry place, guess what? God's close. He doesn't give up on us. Oh, man. It's so nice to know that and it's so nice to experience it. Lord, I just want to ask you, uh, for anyone that came in here crushed, and it was everything they could do just to come in and sit in the chair because they're just crushed. Lord, I just declare you're close to them. You love them. You're with them. You haven't left them or forsaken them. And you haven't forgot about their plight and what it is they need. You know, Lord. I pray you give them this day their daily bread. And I pray you would comfort them and let them know somehow, some way, in a dream, through contact with another person, as they're reading their Bible, or maybe they're just sitting there in their pain. But I want to ask you that you would just be close to the brokenhearted today. You know, the word for broken literally means to break in pieces. It often appears in the context of violence. So I would say there's probably a few brokenhearted in Israel right now, in Palestine, in the Palestinian territories and all around. So, Lord, I pray you would send ambassadors and representatives to be a part of a great healing process. I pray you would heal the brokenhearted. Lord, you're the one that said, if I pray anything, you would do it. So, and according to your will, I know how good you are with the brokenhearted because you died with a broken heart. You died for us with a broken heart. Lord, and you forgave us. And you resurrected from the dead and offered us salvation. So now, Lord, I know you're close to the brokenhearted. I'm asking, Lord, that you would just be close to the brokenhearted. Right? 34:18. Isaiah 57, verses 15 to 21. I want to read these wonderful verses. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Could I just read that? I think when you get in trouble, that's one thing that's really painful for you. You feel like... um, He lives in a high and holy place, but not where you are, right? 
Well, the Lord declares this about himself. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He lives forever. His name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. It's like this is his job description, right? This is what he does. I will not accuse them forever, nor will I always be angry, for then they would faint away because of me, the very people I have created. I'm not going to be so hard on them that they evaporate. I, I love them. Discipline may be in order just for their own sake so they won't expose themselves to the devil again and to one that comes to destroy. I was enraged by their sinful greed. I punished them and hid my face in anger, yet they kept on on their willful ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners. You know what? That's a promise for Israel right now. I'll read it right. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners, creating praise on their lips. Peace, 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 peace to those far, far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. I love that. These passages of Scripture, they're just so powerful, and more importantly, they're just so true. And I love this passage from going back to Psalm 34. Even if there are troubles, the Lord delivers them from, all, from them all. Look at this. Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous person may have many pro- troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Wow. You have faith to reach up and grab that? Especially if it's been a while, maybe a long while, or maybe something sudden's happened. It's got you off balance today. And you don't know if you're going to recover from this one. This is too much. You've endured, endured, but then this punch that just came to you is just too much, right? But look what it says. That's why it's kind of cool to read your Bible, to know the truth about yourself, right? The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Wow. All. Can I say that again? All. You want to say it? Sounds good to say all. Nothing left out. (laughs) Nothing left out. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. That's Psalm 34, 22. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Why don't we all stand? So that next part is blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We did it a little bit already. But I think as we worship here today, I think the Lord wants to pour out even even, even more. We have ministry team members that we have come up to the front. And what they do is they just sort of sometimes can pray along with the person. And somehow or another, there's this connection. You've felt it before where someone prays for another. And, and somehow where two or three agree together, it just works even better. But you don't have to pray with anybody. You could just pray for yourself. But I would like to give an opportunity for you to be prayed for and to pray. And so if you leave today, 
uh, somewhere in the song, somewhere in the worship. I just encourage you, uh, just to, if you go out quietly today, not too quickly, because I, I believe what I've been preaching is so powerful. I, I believe the Lord's going to meet a lot of people here today. So if I have ministry team people come up that could help us, maybe a little pray. And the reason why we have ministry team people is that uh, the Bible says if two or three agree about anything, it'll be done. It's just another sort of part of a promise of God that we together are better. And uh, But you can just stand here by yourself if you like. The reason why I encourage people to come forward to receive prayer is because I think it's just part of your faith. Faith actually is action. And just to actually take the time to come to the front, and even if you're just standing by yourself, which you might, just say, God, here I am. Here I am. Have mercy on me. Now you could do that from your seat. There's just something about, though, uh, the ministry that happens uh, as we just take a few steps and or just maybe come to the altar by yourself and just uh, do some business with the Lord. I believe that this is a season where the Lord wants to heal the brokenhearted like no other season. Great things are facing the world, great things, and sometimes we're even picking up the baggage of others who are suffering, maybe relatives of ours or close ones, and it's been a little too heavy for us to carry. Sometimes the burden bearers need just to have someone pray over them. So Lord, I just ask you in this great house of prayer as we close today and we spend the rest of this time worshiping and praying, I pray you would visit us. Lord, I pray you would visit us. I pray we would indeed taste and see the Lord is good. I think we've already done that, but I think there's more food here. Just give the Lord a chance, okay? Give the Lord a chance. Amen. If you need to go, feel free. If you'd like to stay with us and just in this atmosphere, just stay and do business with the Lord. Okay?